0: Well, good morning, guys. Uh, I hope that you have some coffee or some juice and some water. Um, I know that I have my my get up and go juice, my coffee. Uh, And so I'm excited to share the word this morning. Uh, David said already um, we have been in this teaching series called Speaking Truth to Power for about four weeks. And we've been working our way through the book of 1 Samuel, looking at the snapshots of the lives of. Three of the main characters, the prophet Samuel, uh, Saul the king, and David, the great shepherd, warrior, and the anointed future king. I'm obviously on team David. Love him. Uh, And this morning we have a thrilling story to dive into that involves David as an outlaw engaging with a maddening and a maniacal king Saul. Uh, And so we're going to look at the entirety of chapter 24. Um, we're going to read uh, the entirety of chapter 24, but we're going to focus in on, on verses 3 through 15 this morning out of 1 Samuel. So if you uh, have your device nearby or a paper Bible, uh, let's be transported back to the days of the Bible. Uh, also, I believe uh, Daylin just threw the, the scripture verse into the chat. But before we go any further, uh, let's pray a little bit. God, I ask that you would be present this morning through your word that your Holy Spirit would aliven us and awaken us to the truth of your word. Uh, Lord, I ask that that this word, that this chapter, God, would not only be interesting, but that it would entice us uh, to dive deeper into your word. And God, we ask that we would be convicted, that we'd be challenged, uh, but they, that we'd also be comforted um, by the truth of your word. Uh, and so, yeah, Lord, meet us in this moment. pray this now in your name, God. Amen. So last Sunday, we were in 1 Samuel 17, uh, talking about David and Goliath. Uh, We're now in chapter 24. So we've jumped six chapters, and those those six chapters are packed with drama. So I, I want to bring us all up to speed, starting with chapter 18. So bear with me for a little bit here. Uh, because understanding what's happening in chapters 18 through 23 uh, will help us to better grasp the dynamics between King Saul, David, and David's mighty men in chapter 24. You see, after David had handily defeated Goliath with a slingshot uh, and some smooth pebbles from a nearby wadi or ravine, uh, he, David, was celebrated. Uh, Imagine, if you will, the fierce fighting men of the Israelite army carrying David on their shoulders, hoisting him in the air. And all the while, there's cheering and there's shouting and there's adulation from an excited crowd of watchers as the army marched by. But in addition to the cheering and shouting, there's jubilant singing. And there was one refrain of the jubilant song mentioned in 1 Samuel 18, verse 7. And it reads just like this. It says, Saul has killed his thousands, but David, his tens of thousands. Now, y'all, I don't know why the women of Israel had to sing this song because Saul becomes so agitated at this little ditty, this little bop, that the scripture tells us that Saul was furious and resented the song. The scripture continues saying that Saul watched David jealously from that day forward. Key word there being jealously. Because Saul's jealousy would fester and blossom into crazed anger. And his crazed anger would result in several attempts on David's life. In chapters 18 and 19, Saul threatens to pin David to the wall with a spear. During both incidents, David was peacefully and dutifully playing the lyre for Saul. And David was doing nothing more than obediently serving his king. Yet he found himself narrowly escaping death, not once but twice. Now in chapter 20, David had escaped being impaled and runs to meet up with Saul's son, Jonathan. And David tells Jonathan how he's been attacked not once but twice by Saul. And at first, Jonathan doubts that his dear old dad would do such a thing, but eventually he experiences for himself his dad's desire to, uh, desire for David's death. Thus, Jonathan uh, protects David and permits him to get further away from Saul's reach. In chapter 21, David is best described as a man on the run. He's a fleeing fugitive. In chapter 22, we find David hiding in the cave of Adullam. And in verses one and two of chapter 22, um, it reveals that David's whole family comes to visit him in the cave, but also that a group of men join him. And verse two reads like this. It says, every man who was desperate in debt or discontented rallied around him and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. So David has now become, in chapter 22, uh, the leader of a disgruntled bunch. And like chapter 22, chapter 21, excuse me, David keeps moving because Saul is still in pursuit of him because of his jealousy. Now, in chapter 23, David and his band of men take up arms to defend the people of Caleb from the Philistines. And the Philistines were um, the Israelites' uh, continual enemies. And so Saul hears of David's skirmish in Calah and sends men to war against David and his men. But David, by the grace of God, escapes Saul's troops and eventually flees to the wilderness near En-Gedi. Now we've made it to verse 1 of chapter 24. Um, And with some context for the chapter, I hope you will see the restraint, the great restraint, the great humility, and the boldness that David is going to demonstrate in this chapter, uh, as he has given had so many brushes with death at the hand of uh and command of king Saul so let's read the chapter, and like I said, it's in the chat section um, and I'm going to be reading from the c s b or Christian Standard Version. I'll start at verse one it says When Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the wilderness near En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 of Israelites, fit young men, and went to look for David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. And when Saul, verse 3, came to the sheep pens along the road, a cave was there, and he went in to relieve himself and David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. So they said to him, "'Look, this is the day the Lord told you about. "'I will hand your enemy over to you "'so you can do to him whatever you desire.' Then David got up and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe." Verse five. Afterward, David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, "'I swear before the Lord, I would do no such thing to the Lord, to my Lord, the Lord's anointed. I will never lift my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. And with these words, David persuaded his men and he did not let them rise up against Saul. Then Saul left the cave and went on his way. After that, David got up, went out of the cave and called to Saul, my Lord, the king, When Saul looked behind him, David knelt low with his face to the ground and paid homage. David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of people who say, look, David intends to harm you. You can see with your own eyes that the Lord handed you over to me today in the cave. Someone advised me to kill you, but I took pity on you and said, I won't lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. Look, my father, Look at the corner of your robe in my hand, for I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. Recognize that I've committed no crime or rebellion. I haven't sinned against you, even though you are hunting me down to take my life. Verse 12, and may the Lord judge between me and you, and may the Lord take vengeance on you for me, but my hand will never be against you. As the old proverb says, wickedness comes from wicked people. My hand will never be against you. Who has the king of Israel come after? What are you chasing after? A dead dog? A single flea? May the Lord be judge and decide between you and me. May he take notice and plead my case and deliver me from you. When David finished saying these things to to him, Saul replied, Is that your voice, David, my son? Then Saul wept aloud and said to David, You are more righteous than I For you have done what is good to me, though I have done what is evil to you. You yourself have told me today what good you did for me. When the Lord handed me over to you, you didn't kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him go unharmed? May the Lord repay you with good for what you've done for me today. Verse 20. Now I know for certain you will be king and the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand therefore swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David swore to Saul. Then Saul went back home and David and his men went up to the stronghold. Now from reading that, I hope that you've held in your mind that Saul is a jealousy fueled man who has allowed his jealousy to turn to hate and his hate has moved him to unjustly seek to kill David. But here in chapter 24, David confronts his oppressor. He literally speaks truth to power. And this morning, our big takeaway from this chapter is centered on resistance to the oppressive power, to oppressive power and injustice. And now if you're taking notes, here's my main point. I got one point and one point only. I got a couple of subpoints, but I got one big point for you. So as followers of Jesus, you and I, we must move against unjust, oppressive powers with godly awareness, holy humility, and a heaven-backed boldness. As followers of Jesus, we must move against unjust, oppressive powers with godly awareness, holy humility, and a heaven-backed boldness. Let's dive right into the scripture. So, Verse three says, I want to call it back to your mind again. It says, when Saul came to the sheep pens along the road, a cave was there and he went in to relieve himself. All right, I got to admit to you, this is a little funny to me uh, because this man is by the sovereignty of God going into a cave where David and his mighty men are. Um, and so Saul in his humanness had to use the bathroom. And Joe, he just so happened to choose a cave where David and the men were, were. And so commentators tell us that the landscape of Engedi, where they were was dotted with many caves. And King Saul could have chosen any number of caves, but he just so happened to choose this cave to handle his business. Now poor Saul had an idea of what it was, was, he had no idea what was in store for him as he relieved himself. Because David and his men, being in the recesses of the cave, weren't easily seen by Saul. Yet Saul was easily spotted by the men in the cave. And once they recognized it, uh, they begin to whisper among themselves, and eventually they speak to David. They tell David this out of verse 4. They say, look, this is the day the Lord told you about. I will hand your enemy over to you so you can do to him whatever you desire. And David gets pumped up, readies himself to handle his foe. He creeps out of the shadows of the cave, tiptoes behind Saul, grabs his sword from its sheath, and raises it. But he doesn't plunge it into Saul's back or slit his throat. No, he simply cuts the corner of Saul's royal robe. Then he quietly scurries back to his men. Seeing that David had returned with nothing but a corner of Saul's robe, the mighty men were confused and they were irritated. Not only did David not kill Saul, but he regretted even cutting his royal robe. Verse 5 tells us that David's conscience, and this is important, bothered him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. David was bothered because he recognized that although Saul was mad, maniacal, twisted, oppressive and unjust, he was still the Lord's anointed. You see, because of a godly awareness, an attunement to the spirit of God, David not only stayed his sword from shedding blood, but also ignored the false religious sounding advice of his men. You see, if you and I are to move against oppressive powers as believers, we must do so with a godly awareness, a spiritual keenness, if you will. And to have a godlier awareness requires a connection to the Holy Spirit. It requires listening to and obeying the Holy Spirit. To being spiritually aware means you are clued in to God's desires. And David realized and recognized that God's desire wasn't for him to end Saul's life. So why is godly awareness necessary for pushing against unjust powers? It's simple. It's because we're not committed, because if we're not committed to obeying the Holy Spirit, we'll make moves out of our own sinfulness. So if we're to move against oppressive powers, then we have to have a godly awareness. Let's keep moving. Next, I want us to think about if we're to move against oppressive powers, we must do so with a holy humility. Now, I get that from verse 8. And verse 8 says, my Lord, this is David running out of the cave after Saul. And he says, my Lord, the king, when Saul looked behind him, David knelt low with his face to the ground and paid homage. You see, David got humble. He got humble even before a man who was trying to kill him. He got humble before a man who had been pursuing him and hunting him down. And he got humble because that was the stature that he needed to take in order to engage rightly with this man. To speak truth to power, sometimes we need to humble ourselves. We need to have a holy humility. A humility that's not centered in our own um, our own power, but in the power of God, and so that's what he does. He pauses. He bows low. And what does that do? That that begins to unarm, disarm Saul, so that Saul could hear him. And he goes on. Next, if we are to move against unjust, oppressive powers, and I want to rest here for a little bit, we must do so with a heaven backed boldness, a heaven-backed boldness. If we look at verses 12 and 15, Saul is basically getting a talking to from David, and David says to him, may the Lord, verse 12, judge between me and you, and may the Lord take vengeance on you for me, but my hand will never be against you. In verse 15, he almost repeats himself. He says, may the Lord be judge and decide between you and me. May he take notice and plead my case and deliver me from you. You see, David puts out his chest, albeit with humility, and he boldly proclaims that although you've done me wrong, although you've been unjust to me, although you've uh, been oppressive towards me. The Lord will handle this. He gets his boldness, not from his own power, but he gets his boldness from knowing that God is a righteous judge. He says, the Lord will judge between you and me. The Lord will take vengeance on you for me. You see, if you and I are to deal with unjust, oppressive powers that we see in our world, then we must do like David. We must have a heaven-backed boldness for which we can launch our assault from, and we must do so with the holy humility, and we must do so with a godly awareness. Now, to end our time this morning, I want us to realize that although David in this narrative modeled godly awareness, holy humility, and a heaven-backed boldness, there is one that is greater than David. There is one that is better than David, There is one who perfectly lived out a godly awareness, a holy humility and a heaven-backed boldness. And I'm talking about the one and the only Jesus Christ. And he faced the ultimate oppressors of humanity and that is sin and that is Satan. However, in the face of sin and Satan at the cross, Jesus stayed aware of the truth that his role was to bring glory to the father in all that he did. And he humbled himself to the point of death To cause a fatal blow to sin's power and to Satan's plans. And after three days of laying in a tomb, he was resurrected by the power of God, getting up with the heaven backed boldness. Now, this week, I want you to be on the lookout for how you can move against powers of injustice, how you can move against sin and Satan with the power of Jesus Christ. And how you can do so being connected to the spirit, but yet being humble and trusting God and doing so with the boldness. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would empower us this week uh, to move against sin and Satan, but not to do it in our own strength and our own power, but to do it in your power. To do so knowing that you have us, that you've got us. And so we say thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for this word. In your name we pray, amen.